What's up, Industrial Marketer? From Gorilla76, the Industrial Marketing Agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. I'm your host, Brendan, and with me today are Aaron, Gorilla Strategist, and Grace, Gorilla Strategy Director. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, both of you are time's first time on the show, right? Yeah, against all odds. I, I think uh, this is uh, the first time on the show, so. Oh, man. Well, cool. I'm excited today uh, to talk to you guys about paid social budgets. Um, you know, as part of that, you know, building out a campaign strategy and a campaign plan, we got to have some money to feed the beast. Uh, so I kind of, I think about this like paid social budget thing, like, you know, it's either, you know, what your budget is at first, and then you build an audience to fit that, or you know what your audience is, and then you build a budget to fit that. So I'll just throw that out to you. Like, what do you all think about like, when you get into building campaigns, how are you thinking about what, what kind of money you need to, to support those? Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing to me is making sure that your budget and your audience size are aligned. Um, and I think that there are different ways industrial marketing teams, you said it, um, there are different ways industrial marketing teams have to back into that. They've either been said, hey, I've cleared you, but only for a $2,000 a month budget. And then you have to figure out how to make that work. or um, you know, sky's the limit. How much should I be spending? Um, I I think though, kind of backing up even a little bit further than that, I think that, you know, budget audience size misalignment, like there are certain things that are, are, are very obvious. Like if you have a 4 million person audience that you're trying to hit with, you know, $500 a month, three people are going to see it and there's going to be no continuity in terms of like they're seeing your logo again and again, month after month, and you've just burned $500. Um, By the same token, if you're hitting, you know, $5,000, like if you have a $5,000 budget and you're hitting an audience of, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people, you're going to be hitting them way too many times and there's going to be a huge amount of ad fatigue. So like big misalignments like that, are really obvious to spot. But I think that, you know, you you can be very smart in terms of like, if you know, generally what a CPM is on LinkedIn, you know, your audience size, you know, you know, how many messages you want to get in front of them, you can be a lot smarter with aligning those two um, than just choosing any audience and choosing any budget, um, which I've seen happen. So anyway, I want to open up the floor for for others. Erin, what do you think? Yeah. So here at Gorilla, we have a budget calculator tool that we use and it, it, you could easily make one yourself in Excel if you wanted to, like Grace said, you need to know a rough CPM, your cost to reach a thousand people in your audience. You need to know roughly how large your audience is and also how many of those people you estimate you'll actually reach. So even though LinkedIn tells you your audience is a hundred thousand people, how many of them are actually going to be on LinkedIn every day? probably only like 20, 30%. Yeah. So I estimate budget based off of who I'm actually expecting to reach because that's when LinkedIn's going to charge me. And then um, the frequency that you want that person to be hit. So in general, I think we're shooting for like five times a month and I can't pull this equation out of the top of my head, but you know, you need to calculate, okay, this is the size of the audience divided by a thousand times the cost to reach that thousand times how many times a month you want them to see that. So if anybody's taking notes at home and wants to build that in Excel, I think that's a really helpful thing because I will plug in numbers and see 
a lot of times I'll start with the audience and say, okay, if we wanted to reach everyone we could, it's going to cost $10,000 a month. That's not feasible. Even if I have unlimited budget, that seems like too high to start for me or for most of our clients. And then it gives me a good idea of how to niche down audiences based on what I think is reasonable to spend at the beginning of a campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it seems like the smart play is to start with the audience first and then build the budget to support the audience that you're trying to go after rather than, you know, I'll have it like to me, like starting with a budget means that you were directed from leadership or, you know, from your supervisor, like this is how much you have to spend and you have better make it work. And like you could do it both ways, but the optimal way is to start with the audience. Right. And that goes back to who are you focusing on? What is the right persona to that's buying from you? Who's the ones that are easy for you to work with? Who's the most profitable? What industries are they in and what job titles are they going to LinkedIn, build that audience out, like exactly how you would like it to be the perfect audience. And then, you know, if that audience is a hundred thousand people, then put that into Aaron's, the calculations that Aaron just gave us. And that is your optimal budget, right? If you're going to hit a hundred thousand people five times a month, you're going to spend X amount of money. Then you can go to leadership and say, this is what we need to spend to actually have an optimized campaign instead of, yeah, here's three, three K and you're going <laughs> to have to have an audience. that's like what? $40,000 probably or 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another thing that's really important is before you like decide my audience is a hundred thousand people, like you need to be really smart in the audience building tool in terms of adding exclusions. Like it might be a hundred thousand, but you know that you are best suited to sell to smaller companies. So if 50% of your budget is going to be used up targeting, you know, uh, companies that are 10,000 employees and above, that's a mistake. So remove them, you know, cull the fat from the targeting before you uh, do these types of calculations. Um, for anyone listening, if you DM me, I'll just give you that spreadsheet. Um, I made it a few years ago just to take the mystery out of all of this. <laughs> it's so easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a great point you made too, Grace. And it does seem like whenever you have companies that are, you know, a thousand employees and greater, especially the the 10K employees and above, right? You start getting into like the Teslas and the Boeings and the GMs and the Fords of the world, like these huge manufacturing conglomerates, they suck up so much of your budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you think like Tesla folks, they're on LinkedIn all the time. And so like they, like they, whenever I see them in a campaign, they always take up a good chunk of my impressions. And like, they might be a good fit, but it's like, are they that good of a fit where you want a quarter of your budget to go to one company? Maybe, maybe not. And so, yeah, there's probably some things that you'd have to do if you want to go after those large companies to like create separate campaigns that just go after those like target accounts. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're doing like, yeah, a general, general manufacturing audience, you know, you're a, uh, you, you make, I don't know, whatever (laughs) crazy thing that our clients make uh, like a mold, like you're a mold maker. Well, yeah, let's do like more smaller general audience. And then if you really want to go after one specific account, maybe you need to start doing some more ABM type approaches to maximize that budget. But yeah, and then LinkedIn does a great job in that audience tool where you can add in exclusions like, you know, generic job titles that come up like manager or just engineer, or you'll sometimes like you'll put in like, I only want manufacturing and process engineers to see this ad, but always LinkedIn starts including like HR professionals and accountants. Well, if you go into the, like that, 
uh, audience planning tool in LinkedIn, you can start excluding those job titles and really get that audience super tight. So you're only sending ads to the right people. Yeah. I especially, you know, a, a year ago, the, the audience building tool, like you had to pay to get that types of type of demographics reporting back. Now they give all of that to you. Like here are the inputs, job title, company size, here's how LinkedIn is interpreting it. Um, and you get all of that without having to spend a nickel. Um, so, you know, in, in 2023, there's really no excuse to have not have a long list of exclusions before you ever hit play on a campaign. Yeah. Usually what I'm seeing on, like, for me, I think, you know, each strategist here, Gorilla does things a little differently, like when building campaigns. For me, I like one cold campaign that's a brand message that goes to the general audience. You know, here's the the problem that you are having as an audience, right? Like you manufacturing and process engineers, you're having this problem. Well, my company has this solution. And then here's the results that you could expect from this type of, uh, you know, from our solution. You know, an, a brand message like that, or maybe it's something a little more fluffy, what, whatever it is. I like to get that message in front of people like five times in the hopes that I get them to interact with the ad, come to the website, and I get them into a retargeting function. Um, and then I usually... so. I think for most of my audiences, like I'm in like probably the 60K range for an audience size and probably somewhere in like the $70 range for a cold campaign to them. And then probably another $30 a day in retargeting. And then in retargeting is where we put all of our case studies and our expert articles and product education, calls to action, like all those other campaigns that go into retargeting where the audience has raised their hand and said, yep, we like the things that company X is saying. We've been to their website. We've interacted with their ads. We want more. Well, now you could just send those retargeting ads to people that are a lot more engaged and probably a little further down the funnel than people that are just seeing it in the cold and like ignoring it. Um, so instead of like spending all of your budget in cold, uh, where you're probably going to waste a lot where people like aren't in the buy mode, right? We say like what, like one to 3% of our audience is in a buy mode at any given time. Well, let's just give all of our good content to the people that are more engaged and get them in retargeting where you can spend, where it's a lot cheaper um, and the audience is more engaged. And you can, you make your campaigns go a lot further than trying to do three campaigns, you know, where you have a case study, a product education piece, and then uh, an article, like you're looking at, like that could be ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 for a campaign like that. So what do you guys think about doing something like that to keep costs low? Yeah, especially if cost is like you're trying to get cost down, going to only one cold campaign makes sense. I think there are definitely scenarios in which you would want to have two or three cold campaigns sure. at once. Um, again, it, it all comes down to like, if I had the world, here's the campaign I'd run versus here's the reality of how much money I have to spend and how I can be really smart about it. Um, but definitely, I, I would say, you know, two to three or one to three cold campaigns. Um, yeah, being freeing up budget to run a lot more and retargeting makes a lot, a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I think Brendan, at the beginning, you talked about, there's kind of two things. It's almost like a chicken and egg situation. Do you start with a set budget for the audience? And then in an ideal world, you build your campaign and your budget around the audience you need to reach. But I think if you are presented a budget, which happens for a lot of industrial marketers of like, $1,000 a month, like just running retargeting campaigns can be a really good way to start proving out value of paid social and then get buy-in to say, okay, if we wanted to reach, look at this cold audience, we could reach like 60,000 of our ideal customers. Like imagine getting our messaging in front of them like five times a month on LinkedIn. Um, this is how much we'd have to pay for it. 
it seems a lot more valuable when you're like, yeah, we've already engaged like hundreds of our existing or like warm prospects on this retargeting campaign and and it works. So I think you are given the lower budget, the retargeting, you can spend as low as $10 a day. And sometimes you don't want to spend more than that if your audience is too small, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's also instances where your budget can be too high for what you're trying to do. I think something to ground this discussion is like what you're paying for with your budget. You're paying for guaranteed distribution to a set number of people. And so when you're thinking about budget, like regardless of whether you're backing into a $2,000 budget or figuring out how many, how much budget you need to reach the people you could sell to, um, just making sure that it's really aligned. Like, like Aaron was saying, and I think we've all kind of talked about it. There are different solutions for, whatever way you're coming at it with your marketing team. What you can't do is take a thousand dollar budget and be like, yes, let me do cold and I'm going to do retargeting. Like Aaron's solution of just doing retargeting, fabulous. Um, But you you have to make sure you're aligning that budget with audience size or, you know, you're going to be reaching no one. Yep. So that's the start of the campaigns. Right, like let's get these campaigns going, but you only start the campaigns like once, and then you're gonna run these campaigns forever. Then so there's there's some things that we can do once we start learning about our audience and how they're interacting with our campaigns. There's some things that we can do to make our budget go further. Uh Grace, you you had a uh you we were talking before this and you had a really great example of what that could potentially look like for someone. So do you so like want, want to walk us through like what that looked like uh in that one instance? Yeah, sure. So um we recently, or, you know, I recently took over a campaign where um, we'd been running kind of test creative. It had been performing really well. Um, and I basically did an analysis of all of the leads that um, had been generated, all the different opportunities that had been generated from that campaign and that test creative and looking at our audience and kind of figuring out, okay, is there a subset of this audience that is especially valuable to me? Um, and what I noticed was that really none of the leads came from large companies. But when I looked at the demographics data in LinkedIn, half of my budget was going to large companies. Mm. If I just remove them, then suddenly I have, you can look at it one of two ways, either let's cut the budget in half and still essentially have the same impact or how much more storytelling can I do to this audience um, with that same budget? How much more impact can I have with that same budget? or okay, I've opened up budget for me to pursue a different segment. Um, so there are different ways to think about that, but um, always being like looking at and letting um, kind of the results of a campaign guide continued decision-making about how to allocate budget, how to refine that audience um, can definitely make your budget work harder for you over time. How did you know the results were good? What were you looking for? What do you mean? So like so it looked like it sounded like you were going into the platform right into or into hubspot or into salesforce whatever the crm was and identifying that these are the companies that are saying yep we saw you on paid social and uh then kind of walking the dog backwards is that is that, so are you looking at results only through them showing up as leads in in the crm or is there other things that you're looking for in like the linkedin or facebook platforms that say like yeah this audience is the right one 
Definitely using in-platform metrics to guide decision-making, you know, as a campaign is unfolding makes sense. Um, But at certain checkpoints, you know, once you've been running ads three months or or so, and you have that more downstream, like here are the opportunities that came from the campaign. Um, In this particular instance, I just exported a list of all of the opportunities created from the CRM Um, and just did an analysis of like, okay, what was their job title? What company did they work um, for? What were they asking for? Um, What was the size of their company? Um, Different things like that to just see if I could figure out any points of similarity. But this was not done on day one of the campaign by any means. When is the right time to start looking at that data? When you have enough of it. I mean, if you're generating like a ton of leads every month, you know, you you could probably do it sooner than later. But I I find um, quarterly check-ins for deep dive reporting to be a really good cadence because I think you can chase your tail a little bit if you're changing everything every month. But if you're really grounded in here's what I'm doing and why and who I'm going after and here's, you know, my goals and KPIs and how I'll know if I'm on or off track, then every quarter revisiting in a really deep way that seems like a really good cadence to me what do you think yeah i think i think that's spot on um when you start changing too many things too fast you don't know what no changes actually had an impact on you uh so you know test one thing at a time and let that run for it and especially in industrial like we don't get that many at bats all the time and so you want to make those at back at back at backs count and know like you're learning something uh yeah we're not getting like thousands of leads a month so, you know, you're like, like dozens, maybe if you're lucky. Um, and so you got to make those count. You got to make sure you're learning from every single one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think when you're in campaigns, what are you looking at for optimizations to make sure that budget's going as far as it can go? Yeah, I think early on, um, before you have that like downstream opportunity or pipeline data to see what the, the leads are actually turning into, I like to look at click-through rate to see which ads are resonating, people are engaging with um, frequency. So if your frequency, they're seeing an ad maybe like 10 times in a 30-day period, that could be a signal like my budget's too high. LinkedIn, LinkedIn's going to spend your money. Um, and they're either going to spend it by distributing it uh, as to as many people, um, or if there's not enough people relative to that budget, they're just going to hit it a bunch of times. So frequency will tell me that. And also um, CPMs cost per to reach a thousand can tell you that sometimes too. If your CPMs seem like really high, like, I don't know, in LinkedIn, if you're like a $200 CPM, that could be a sign that your budget is misaligned with the size of your audience because LinkedIn is just spending more and more on the same people. When I've had it where I see a high CPM, I lower my daily budget and those CPMs go back down to a more normal level because it's it's more aligned. So those are the three things in terms of like budget and spend that I look at in platform early on. One thing, um, Aaron, that your comment just now made me think is like CPMs is something we haven't talked about. Yes, if your uh, budget and your audience are misaligned, your CPMs will be high. But another factor that we haven't talked about here is the smaller your audience is, the higher your CPMs are going to be. Um, so yes, constricting your your audience to match a lower budget can make sense to a point. You can sometimes be shooting yourself in the foot if you make it too small because you're going to be paying a premium for that. Yeah. The larger your the larger your audience is that you can afford, the more like the lower your CPMs are. 
Yeah, that's true. Like in retargeting campaigns, I noticed that like CPMs are always higher because in retargeting, it's maybe like a 2000 person audience max. But in the cold campaign, I usually use like $60 as an estimate, but sometimes it's lower, sometimes it's higher. I think um, who you're targeting also impacts your CPMs. Um, Like if you have more executive level, like C-suite titles you're going after, you're going to pay a premium for those, at least on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I've had the same experience too. And that's another thing too that I would look at is use that budget spreadsheet that we've been talking about to initially launch your campaigns. But you're probably going to look back at that budget spreadsheet, probably, you know, two to three months into your campaigns and rerun that once you actually have data, right? Because what like, so Aaron just said, she usually estimates 60. Well, I usually go into that like with a $45 CPM estimate because uh, that's like what I've been seeing with a lot of my clients. Uh, but yeah, once you have data and like you see like this is that the actual CPM for me to hit, you know, a process, a senior process engineer at these types of industry companies. Well, let's go back into the budget spreadsheet, take that real CPM, plug that in, take your real reach percentage, right? Maybe you estimated that you're going to reach 20% of your audience when in reality, well, you're actually, you're, you're reaching 12%. Let's put the real reach number in the real CPM number in and rerun that budget calculator to get you closer to what that real budget should be. Um, So I find doing an exercise like that, like quarterly is also really valuable to make sure that you are on track with the right spend because you're eventually going to get down where that thing is like perfectly aligned with your, with your audience size. Once you like understand who your audience is. Mm -hmm. One thing I hadn't touched on that um, I want to hear is uh, I I know that there's uh, I, a few years ago um, it was my, kind of my thinking that you know separating out campaigns by audience type like let's hit the manufacturing engineers with different messaging than the CEOs I used to want to do that more now when they can be served with the same messaging it is hugely advantageous to just put them all in one campaign because your CPMs are going to go way down when you, um, which allows your budget to go a lot further. And so unless it makes there, there's a huge justification for separating them out. Don't. It would have to be a really big justification. Like, like the, the messaging is like completely different for a lot. Like a lot of times, like it seems like, when you're looking at like how a product is positioned, like you, you think like, you know, manufacturing or process engineers is the right fit. But, you know, I, a lot of times I think when you're talking about like the problems that that company's having, you know, it's across the board. It's not just the process engineers, especially when you're talking about like ROI throughput, um, like saving manufacturing floor space, you know, very like things like that, that are not like job title dependent, you know, maybe like, maybe you have a message that's just like manufacturing engineer, like is your brain going crazy? Like, are you having like, work like work life issues because of how stressful your job is like maybe like something like that like you want messaging that goes to that job title but if it's more like benefits for the company i think a lot of times you can just kind of clump all those in and even like across industries uh you probably could have you know automotive aerospace and transportation equipment and machinery all in the same thing because you're you know have you have the same problem solution results across all those industries and all those job titles so just clump them all together yeah and you're going to pay a premium when you separate them out and just acknowledging that helps you make the right decision for yourself when you are. And if someone were like, 
hey, strategist, here's this, that, that's not really going to capture your attention the same way, like a good justification for separating out a really small audience could be more of an ABM play. Like I received an ad that was like, hey, Gorilla 76, you experiencing this problem? I would at least stop and read it. Um, Grace is work stressful right now. What if that was the ad? That'd be creepy. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that you could do here that'd be interesting, like, Think like your that cold brand message as like your TV commercial, right? Where it's like very, it's kind of it's more generic, um, but it does get after like what you're trying to put out there is like your brand message or your campaign theme. And then if you really want to separate it out, do the separation and retargeting where things are cheaper. And so now you're talking like engaged engineer level, engaged director level, engaged C-suite level. Um, so the audience is going to be smaller. Those CPMs are going to be high, but. You're, only, you're not going to be reaching thousands of people. So it's you'll be able to like manage that budget a little better instead of trying to have cold campaigns to all those different job titles or all those different industries. Yeah. And, and what we're talking about here, I think also applies to campaign structure. Um, so we talk about campaign is kind of a murky word. Like it means a lot of different things to different people. But the way I define a campaign is like the, the, the messaging tactic. So if we're doing a retargeting campaign um, focused on product, I I use the word campaign. But if I have, you know, a product campaign and a social proof like case study campaign in LinkedIn, I'm putting those in the same like container. So they're technically so what one LinkedIn campaign. Campaign, right? so so what LinkedIn campaign. calls a campaign, right? LinkedIn calls a campaign. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. So like in retargeting you on LinkedIn, especially your minimum spend per day is $10. So if you have a $10 campaign for the case study and a $10 campaign for a product ad, you're essentially spending $20 a day to reach that same audience, which is going to, you know, cause misalignment with your spend and your audience size. Whereas if you put those ads, like the case study ads and those product ads, in the same campaign container under just one $10 budget, that will kind of do the same thing we were talking about earlier, help you achieve, get a better bang for your buck um, CPM wise. Yeah. And like, we're talking about like just the media budget here, but there's also like, you need budget to create those creatives, right? Like it's like ads aren't free to make, like you're either going to spend time yourself making them in Canva or in the Adobe suite, or you're going to pay a designer and a writer to help you write those ads and design those ads. So if you put all those things and clump them together into one retargeting campaign, you can put the the budget up a little higher. Those things can last a lot longer, I think, in one single campaign, right? So you can get, and if you have 20 to 30 ads in one retargeting campaign, like, yeah, your your frequency can get super high in that campaign, right? You might be up in like the 10 to 15 per month, and you're actually not ever going to really achieve ad fatigue because they're only going to see like one of those, like maybe, you know, 10 of those individual messages. So there's a lot more variety um, instead of like, I, I think we like when we say like ad fatigue or like, you know, high frequency, it's like, cause you're like, it's one single ad creative that people see, you know, 10 times a month, like that turns into a problem and people get annoyed. Um, but if you are hitting them 10 to 20 times a month with like 10 to 20 different messages, there's not really a lot of fatigue there. Maybe a little bit, but not as bad as it would be with just one ad. Yeah. Also, I think like, as the marketer, you hear the same messages over and over again because you're the one, you know, creating the content and di- distributing those messages. Your 
your um, audience is not nearly as fatigued by what you're saying as, as you are. And they actually probably need to hear it like five to seven times for it to even like register in their brain. Honestly, the only time I ever really get fatigued by ads is when I'm watching Hulu with ads on it. Cause you get like the same ad three times in like a 30 minute TV show. It's like, I just want to watch my stupid reality TV show and not be hit with a national mutual or natural, or what is it? A Liberty mutual ad like four times in a 30 minute period. But that's stupid emu. <laughs> uh, cool. Is there anything else that we need to talk about here uh, on budgets? Um, no. So. The the thing, something Aaron just said kind of spurred to me. I think that thinking about your budget in terms of touch points with your audience is really important because like a really great way to evaluate your paid social campaign is just to kind of like look at the different how many touch points am I budgeting for? How many touch points am I getting per month with this audience? What is the mix of ads that I'm putting in front of them? And if I only saw these ads three, four, five, nine times a month, would I understand what this company does, whether it applies in my application and what the first step would be for me to reach out to them? Um, and really pressuring yourself to think about it in those terms forces you to be really simple in your ad creative. Um, because when you think about it, it's a lot of money to us, you know, $9,000, $10,000 a month, but you're only reaching them 10, 12 times. So your message needs to be as clear and simple as possible. Yeah. That sounds like a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Uh, both of you, thank you so much for joining today. Uh, it was great to have you. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, uh, you know we have Industrial Marketing Live happens twice a month. The first and third Thursdays of the month at 10 a.m. Uh, we are talking about industrial marketing topics all over the place. We're talking about paid uh, media. We're talking about Google ads. We're talking about SEO, content writing, interviewing, trade show. We just did like two months on trade shows. So uh, we would love to have you join us in the next one. Uh, so go to industrialmarketinglive.com uh, to register for, for that. And which is a live Zoom. Uh, turn your cameras on, hang all of us in the morning, grab a cup of coffee and talk about industrial marketing. And then outside the show, we also have a Slack channel. So be sure to reach out to me or Grace or Aaron, and we'll get you logged in. I think, what do we have now? Like like 160 marketers in there, I think. Uh, and there's messages every single day on people talking about the things that they're learning, problems that they're having at work, uh, you know, people asking for help on stuff. What's that, Grace? Frustration with Google Ads reps. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, if you're looking for a community of industrial marketers to help you do your job better, reach out to us and we'll get you plugged in. Um, but yeah, Aaron Grace, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Brendan.